Welcome everybody to the Ride In NFL DFS podcast brought to you by Fanshare Sports. Week 16 lineup review and Monday night showdown strategy talk uh, was a wild week 16 for me and it had pretty much nothing to do with daily fantasy sports. Uh, So from listening to the last podcast you probably gather that Uh, My daughter has pneumonia. I did the last podcast during a, like, 1, 2 a.m. run to Walmart for medicine. That was before we knew she had pneumonia. Just thought she was coming down with a cold. Uh, So she's laid up, you know, hacking her little four-year-old lungs out. Feel terrible for her. Um, So this was going to be, like, the least in tune I was to a slate on a weekend probably ever. uh, Because, you know, I was... She's the priority, obviously, so wasn't really paying much attention to the news and things like that. Um, but, you know, she was resting, watching a movie on, on Sunday morning, and despite the fact that, you know, I was catering to her every need and, you know, comforting her when she was hacking up, I still was setting my lineups, obviously, on Sunday and going through the motions. Um, however... At about, you know, and I was getting, I think I think I got a, a few tweets about Joe Mixon and and things like that, um, some 2v2s or whatever, and I, I, t- I answered one, and then I got a call from my sister that our dad was being taken to the hospital with chest pains and all kinds of issues, shortness of breath. So obviously at that point, I just hit submit on the cash lineup and headed to the hospital and I was pretty much there all day. I didn't get to see much football. Um, when they got him settled down, we actually watched a little football in his hospital room. But obviously, it's only the two local games that are on the TVs there. You know, the hospital isn't uh, paying for red zone or anything. So it was like I was off the grid. I mean, if you even noticed my Twitter, I usually tweet all day long on Sunday about certain things. Um, I think my last tweet was at like quarter to quarter to 12 yesterday morning and then I was completely off the grid I didn't come home until like 7 30 so I didn't even I mean I, I didn't even look I didn't even open the DraftKings app I just figured let it be um but what it came down to was I had a 2v2 and or I'm sorry a 4v4 actually it was initially a 2v2 then Mixon um a, a few minutes before I I actually had to uh before I got that call I was debating on what to do with Joe Mixon. Um, I was going to leave him in. And then I saw, you know, the tweet from the beat reporter that he, that he was sick didn't really change much of my, of my mind. Um, but I think then Stefania Bell of ESPN retweeted the Bengals coming out of the tunnel and everybody was jacked up, hooting, hollering. And then out comes Mixon after them, you know, after the, after the team has pumped up, run onto the field, Mixon basically like a zombie um, was like sleepwalking onto the field. And uh, that's what changed my mind. So what I did was um, I used, <clears throat> I went down to Deion Lewis, so it gave me $2,300 to play with, and I created two different lineups 
from that $2,300. One lineup absolutely tanked because it had Chris Carson and Zach Ertz. Obviously, Carson, I mean, he had 60 yards from scrimmage in like a quarter and a series, and then he obviously picked up that injury and then never stepped on the field again. But he was, he had nine touches and 60 yards. He was pretty much smashing at the point when he left the game, which stunk. And then Ertz left the game for a quarter and then came back and wasn't really the same. So that lineup got absolutely trounced. It also had Matt Ryan and the Redskins defense, which, I mean, Ryan was fine, but the Redskins obviously tanked. And the other lineup had the man, and this was going to be the lineup that was going to be my main lineup until Mixon went down. Kind of screwed everything up. Um, Obviously, Ryan Fitzpatrick touted him all week. He was the cover boy of my 4 for 4 article. Loved Ryan Fitzpatrick. I didn't think he was going to go for for however many DK points he went for, 34 or whatever, but um, that was awesome. Uh, So the 4v4 there was Fitzpatrick, McCaffrey, Cooper, and the Broncos defense, and obviously that led me to a cash on that side. Um, And the five guys that were in every lineup were um, DeAndre Washington and Deion Lewis, And then the three receivers, Michael Thomas, Greg Ward, and Steven Sims. I know I mentioned Steven Sims on this podcast last week, and I pulled the trigger. You know, I felt like I I don't care if he was 2% owned and nobody else was on him. I thought that he was going to be a great play. Obviously, I caught some touchdown luck there, um, but he ended up smashing as well. So one lineup smashed, one lineup crashed. Basically a split week. Uh, And, you know, daughter's on the mend. Dad's probably going to be okay. So... Uh, It was an interesting week for sure. Uh, Didn't really get to watch much football. Didn't really get to watch the green screen go up and down, which was almost therapeutic in a way. Um, But yeah, so a few lessons learned. Obviously, don't, I mean, at this point, I don't know how we can ever worry about the weather. Two or three weeks ago when all that weather was supposed to impact the slate, I mean, those weather games kind of went off. This week, the only thing we really had to worry about, people were tweeting that there was 20-mile-an-hour winds in Miami. Ryan Fitzpatrick has a career day. Um, so I, I think lessons learned is really don't pay much attention to the weather unless it is an absolute monsoon and the winds are sustained like tornado winds. It's probably not going to impact the offense as much as you would think. Um, some other, you know, I mean, like with Mixon, we could learn a lesson there. Like, obviously, I was not going to come off him, right? And a lot of people didn't. He was about 25 to 30% owned in double ups. And just the news that he didn't feel good wasn't going to bring me off of him. But I actually saw with my own eyes him looking very sluggish, him barely, you know, running onto the field. Um, the rest of his teammates getting pumped up, coming out of the tunnel, and then him following behind them with, you know, like, basically look like a wounded duck. So that's what got me off of him. Um, I do apologize. Obviously, I was not at my computer or at my phone to be really tweeting. Or I, I know I, after I had headed to the hospital, I, I opened up Twitter last night and I got a few, uh, a few, what, what should I do with Mixon tweets that I never answered. I do apologize. But, you know, obviously family first, that kind of thing. And then lessons learned, I mean, defense, man, it is an absolute crapshoot. I don't think we should 
I'm not in the I'm not of the ilk that we should absolutely pay down for defenses because obviously you see you look at the worst defenses on the slate like Tennessee they they went for negative points against the Saints I saw a lot of people had Tennessee um you know some people were recommending the Jaguars and they were fine but at 2k they didn't really pay off so I think you just really I mean as long as the lineup that you make around the defense you like I say pick whichever defense you know you can get in there and I I made it a priority to get to the Broncos in one lineup because I thought they were going to really crush David Blau I mean they did okay but it was really tough um you know the Colts was a defense that I mentioned on this podcast I mean if you rostered the Colts you basically cashed in in 50-50s and double ups no matter what you did because it was like a 30 point edge on the chalkier defenses so hats off to you I did mention them as a consideration because of Will Greer um but I did not I was not able to get up to them in the Redskins lineup and then I had too much salary in the in the Broncos lineup so I kind of I had a little bit of them in tournaments but as far as defense goes man it's just been so unpredictable this year um I guess we could say that against Will Greer you could probably say that that it was predictable that the Colts could have a nice day, but it, the, the the scoring didn't even come on on defense. It came on special teams with two Naheem, Naheem Hines part returns. Um, yeah, Will Greer is an absolute mess, though, uh, and that just goes to show you. I mean, I think he's better than Kyle Allen, obviously, or excuse me, I think Kyle Allen is obviously better than him, and you know. The fact that Will Greer didn't get a rep until week 16 and Kyle Allen was trusted with the starting squad for half the season just goes to show you that, you know, you can't just plug and play any quarterback. Um, We did this with Kyle Allen back in like week four or whatever it was when they played the Cardinals. Different story, though. Great matchup. Uh, And Kyle Allen had been, you know, as a second team quarterback, a little bit more involved in the offense and with the Panthers for longer than Greer so that's why that worked out so those are some of the things that you just have to um, take into account DeAndre Washington smash play knew it from the get-go people were kind of off of him Uh, with that game script that he had you know there was really a really really slim chance that he could fail with the Raiders being up and them just feeding him carries but at 4k with the rest of your lineup, what it allowed you to get to. I mean, I had McCaffrey and Michael Thomas in a lineup with Ryan Fitzpatrick, thanks to uh, DeAndre Washington and Steven Sims. And I just thought those guys were in good spots. And it's really not about can they, are they going to smash? Are they going to go for 18 like he did? It's about does it make the rest of your lineup that much better, which in my opinion it did. All right, on to the Monday night showdown. And what we have here is a game that when I opened up the showdown uh, salaries, I really thought that it was going to be lock and load Mike Boone week. However, they did, they were able, you know, the, the showdown salaries come out a little bit later. So they were able to uh, price Mike Boone up just a little bit. And he's actually in a spot where I don't think he is you know, an absolute lock to be the captain. Um, but one thing from a showdown strategy standpoint is we have to realize that quarterback is probably not the way to go on the flex. Um, more often than not, there's going to be one, at least one quarterback. I think at 85% of the time, there's at least 
one quarterback in winning showdown lineups. Side note, the lineup that I, uh, when I won the uh, seat to the King of the Beach and, and a GPP that week, I think it was week 10, there was no uh, quarterback in that lineup because it had Duck Hodges and uh, Mason Rudolph at quarterback for the Steelers that week. And, uh, you know, it just, it just ended up that there was no quarterback in that lineup. So it can't happen. Um, however, as you saw last night, I mean, Mahomes went off. He ran for a touchdown, threw two, and Travis Kelsey um, was still in the captain spot for the optimal lineup last night. So for the most part, I'm not going to put a, a quarterback in the captain spot. I'll put a receiver tonight. It looks like it will be, you know, one of the wide receiver ones for either team, probably Devonta Adams or <clears throat> Stefan Diggs. I think we could also put, you could put Mike Boone, um, given the workload that he's probably going to see in the captain spot. He would be an absolute lock in the captain spot if he was like an 8K player on DraftKings and his, um, like a 7 or 8K player and his captaincy was only going to be like 10 or 11k that would be an absolute lock and load but they do have him somewhat priced up around those other stud players so he's not an absolute lock and load I think he's you know he'll be I'll be I'll try to be a way overweight on him um, as a player in the flex however so some ways that we can get different the first is not playing a quarterback in the captain spot because uh, you know Rodgers or Kirk Cousins will probably be in the captain spot for somewhere close to 40% of lineups tonight. Um, and, you know, just with the way DraftKings scoring goes, both of these quarterbacks are not really running quarterbacks. So they're going to go for, you know, at their ceiling, what, 303 maybe, and that's 27 fantasy points. But if that's the case, you know, Stefan Diggs is probably going to go for 101 on eight receptions. Maybe Devontae Adams goes for 10, 101. And then right off the bat, that is... Uh, you know, rivaling those quarterbacks in uh, in fantasy points. <clears throat> so it's just easier for running backs, wide receivers, to hit a ceiling uh, relative to quarterbacks based on DraftKings scoring. Okay, let's look at some other ways to get uh, a little bit contrarian on this showdown slate. Um, one of the ways I mentioned a few weeks ago uh, was C.J. Ham, And, you know, at the beginning of the contest, he had like two catches for 40 yards. I thought I was going to go Ham uh, on that contest or in that contest, but it ended up that he did not work out. But he's routinely, you know, hitting four or five DraftKings points. And that doesn't seem like a lot, but at $1,000, which he is this week, um, if he can snag one of those goal line touchdowns where, you know, it's a play action fullback comes out of the backfield into the flat and he's gotten those before. I think CJ ham is interesting, especially with, you know, like zero, uh, depth behind Mike Boone. They have Amir Abdullah who I think is in play as well, but I think, um, you know, in lineups, having a little bit of CJ ham and Amir Abdullah is interesting because of all the ownership that will be on uh, on Mike Boone. 
some other spots to get contrarian. Uh, you know, maybe Robert Tanyan. He's been on the field a decent amount. Uh, has seen a target here or there, sometimes near the red zone. Uh, these Green Bay receivers are very interesting. I think whoever hits the nail on the head for, you know, the receiver that luck boxes into a touchdown. And, and what you might need to do is, you know, create a pretty uh, stable core of players and then rotate around some of these Green Bay pieces because, you know, both of these offenses are very concentrated, but you're not going to be able to jam in all the concentrated pieces of the offense. So you're going to need whomever it is uh, below 5K that, that hits on these two offenses. And, I mean, for Green Bay, it could be Robert Tanyan. It could be, you know, Marcus Valdez-Scantling with a deep ball, though he's not really been on the field a ton. Um, obviously, Alan Lazard and Geronimo Allison are the two receivers that see the field the most. However, they're priced up a little bit. Um, from the <clears throat> Viking side, you know, Ola B.C. Johnson has some some red zone uh, equity. Um, Irv Smith, I think, will be in a lot of my lineups as well. So really what my strategy tonight is going to be is to have a solid core of, you know, six players that I am rotating through lineups, um, and then taking one or two shots on these ancillary pieces. Um, you know, sometimes I have a more widespread approach depending on if the offenses are concentrated or not. Um, but this one, these two offenses are fairly concentrated, right? We know who's going to get most of the work on the Packers. It's going to be Devonte Adams. It's going to be Aaron Jones. I like Jamal Williams as a little bit of a, uh, a sneaky play there. And, and then obviously Jimmy Graham with Aaron Rodgers. On the Vikings, it's probably going to be Mike Boone, Kyle Rudolph, and the two receivers, uh, Thielen and Diggs. So really, I mean, like you have some offenses like the Ravens who, you know, 12 people catch one pass. And um, you see the same thing with the Niners, right? They have two tight ends catching passes. Their fullback catches passes. They have they rotate three or four receivers through. They have rotate three or four running backs through. So in that case, sometimes I like to spread it out a little bit, um, spread out my exposure a little bit. This These two offenses are pretty straightforward. So I think, you know, keep that same core of six, seven, eight players, rotate them through four or five spots, and then take your shots with the ancillary pieces in those extra one or two spots. All right, guys. Again, apologize for not being, uh, you know, on the map, on the radar this weekend. You know, just sometimes these things happen, and it just happened to be on one of the 17 days uh, of the year that football is played on a Sunday. What can you do? I will talk to you on Thursday. I hope everyone has a Merry Christmas. I hope everyone's Christmas is brighter because they smash showdown tonight. And I'll talk to you uh, on Thursday or Friday of next week to close out the regular season.